Lord. We're in this series called Highlights from John, and um, we'll probably be turning into John at some point this morning. If I can find my place, here I am. There we go. All right, let's do it right away. John chapter 1. I'm kind of using this as a key scripture to um, kick off these messages. I want to say this, too, that, that um, God's here, and I never want to just take for granted us coming together. I know we pray this and I believe this, that as we meet, God's doing supernatural things in our lives. We certainly do not come here for me to give a speech. I don't know if I've ever given a speech. I don't do that. But we come here to meet with God. And anything is possible. People have needs. Don't look to man. Look to him. Look to him. He's here to meet your needs. He's here to heal bodies. Give us, you know, most times in life, what I really just need is a direction from him. A word from him. So many times I, I've just, you know, I've sat in the service and, you know, over the years and the Holy Spirit's so faithful to just illuminate something to me and like, yeah, that's what I needed. You know, many times, I was thinking back when Pastor Stephen was, was up here a minute ago, many times, I think when I was a new Christian, it's kind of when I began hearing God was at the offering time. He'd speak to me. He'd show me, you know, oh, you know, you should give. And it was never a pressure or anything like that, but it was like, yeah. It was like a way to hear and start learning to hear his voice. So anyway, there's my, my little ramble for the moment, okay? It's all free. It wasn't the message. Okay. John 1, verse 1. Uh, actually, I don't even have all these verses, but I'm going to start in. Passion translation is what I'm reading. It says, in the beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. And uh, somehow that term just kind of strikes me, and I, I, I use it as kind of a, a starting place, the living expression. As John wrote this gospel, and he talks about Jesus in his ministry, he called him the live. is that good or what? The living expression? He came to express heaven. He came to express God's stuff. You know, do you, oh, I don't know really what God's like. Well, Jesus came to express just what God was like. To show us. How could we know? Unless we see. You know? And, and Jesus, he came to show us. So John chapter 2, jumping from chapter 1 to chapter 2. Big leap. I'm just going to start in verse 1. It says, on the third day, how fitting that, that Rhonda had a word like this. Yeah. I like it. When it's empty, he's there to fill it. When we're empty, he's there to fill us. It's the truth. John 2, we didn't compare notes beforehand. Were you peeking at my eye? No, no, okay, no. <laughs> God's good. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and they ran out of wine. And the mother of Jesus said to, to him, to Jesus, they have no wine. 
And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Don't you admire Mary? I like this, that, that, that uh, you know, when things ran out, when there was a lack, when there was a need, you know, Mary looked to Jesus. She didn't look for someone to send to the store, you know, which would, it's okay sometimes. But, but uh, her first inclination was, I'm coming to Jesus. I think that's something we could, we could follow. It's, I think it's important to note, too, that, that this was the very first miracle that, you know, we have record of. That, that it was the beginning of miracles in Jesus' ministry. And up until this time, he hadn't been performing miracles. He had just recently been baptized, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. You know, he walked this earth. Remember, he was fully God, and he was fully man. But he was a, he was a different kind of man. He was a man that was full of zoe, full of life. And he was a man that was anointed with power from on high. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. You know, I think it's good in this day that we have the Holy Spirit in us. And he's in us when we get born again. When we say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I'm, I'm telling you, that very nanosecond, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. But there's other, another, another experience that the Bible talks about it is him coming upon us. You know, how many think Jesus had the Holy Spirit in him when he was here born on the earth, you know? And, 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 but then it says that when he got baptized, you know, he was water baptized. And this isn't just some formula. I'll get water baptized. But it happened like this. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And when that happened, after that happened, boom, things start clicking. Okay? So he's at a wedding. Probably just trying to be cool. I love to go to a wedding sometimes when I'm not doing the wedding. You know, the weddings are cool. I like them. But sometimes I like to just kind of hang out there and watch, see how it's done, check it out. You know, you, you look at things differently when you've done so many weddings, you know. And, and uh, Jesus is just there hanging with his buds, you know. And, and, you know, different theologians have speculated on some things. And I'll just tell you that some people think that that, you know, well, Mary was there, had a prominent position. It's obvious to see that as you read this. Why would they even come to her and tell her they're out of wine? Why would that even be a thing? You know, nobody comes and tells me, you know, if I'm just hanging out at a wedding, hey, we're out of, out of cookies or whatever. I don't know, you know. Be a dumb thing to come to me for that. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, but, but some people have speculated that, that the, the bride of this wedding could have even been uh, one of Jesus' stepsisters, or one of her, his half-sisters. Um, because, you know, Mary could have been the mother of the bride, and that would give reason to why Jesus and the other disciples were there. I don't know that for sure. You know, I don't know if anybody does, but, but I know this, that Mary had some kind of a position of authority. And when the, you could say when the wine was out or the chips were down, she looked to Jesus. She looked to Jesus. That's something we could learn. I love this line, and I, I say it often, whatever he says to you, do it. That's the key to success right there. What are you going through right now? Whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. Do it. Don't get too heady. 
Don't get lost in, a, in too much logic. I'm not against logic, you know. Kind of like Spock. He's okay. Nobody watched Star Trek. I don't know. Anyway. anyway. You don't want to be too much of a Vulcan, though, okay? Or a Data or whatever if you're following all the... Yeah, I'm really speaking another language here. Okay. That's what Stephen was talking about. He came to his church. People were praying, praying in tongues, huh? No. No. Praying in tongues is of God. So, you know, today's Mom's Day. I, I like this story that, you know, we, we've come upon in that, you know, there's a relationship that Jesus had even while, even the Son of God, while he walked this earth, he had a relationship with his mom. She had Paul with him. She could come to him and say, hey, we need you. You know, and you, you, know, you can look at the words he said, hey, it's not my time, but we know this. Her pulling on him activated something. Moms have power. Does your mom have power? You know, I, I still, you know, I, when we were pastors in Minneapolis, we were associate pastors for a number of years in Minneapolis, I think 12 and uh, there was a, a young kid in the church, and his name was Paul, just like mine. But beyond that, his middle name was David, and that's my middle name. And this, this young kid, he's, he's just, he's really a great young man now, and he was then too, but uh, he'd get in trouble sometimes. And, and you know, and, and I'd, I'd be walking, minding my own business, and his mom would say, Paul David. I'd hear that voice, and I'd tell you, I'd stand at attention, like, what did I do? And she knew that about it, too. She knew she had that power over me, but, but you know, <laughs> when they pull out that middle name, you know. <sighs> so, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're celebrating moms, you know, around at least around the country here, and, and I think it's great we can have a day we give moms honor. I'm going to talk a little bit about moms this morning, and you know, it, it's, a, it's a funny day because some of these holidays can stir up emotions. You know, some people have lost their moms. I've lost my mom and, and uh, don't have her here on the planet. She's in heaven, and, and uh, other people maybe didn't have a good mom. I think most moms try to do their best, you know, and, and no mom is perfect. No mom is perfect, okay? And we're just relying on the grace of God to do the best we can, okay? Not, not we, meaning that I'm a mom, but uh, what I've seen of it is like that. Um, so I'm going to talk about some things that, that are going to be directed at mom, but don't worry if you're not a mom or whatever. This is still going to apply to you because moms have influence but every one of you have influence as well. And the things I'm saying this morning will be directed to moms, but I'll tell you what, you can hook up with it. Okay? You out there today? All right. How much do I have? An hour and 15 minutes? No. <laughs> Proverbs 22.6 is a classic scripture. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And uh, when he's... Old, he'll not depart from it, is how it reads. And, and I'd say this to every mom, never give up on your kids. There's hope. You know, moms, um, you can't fight every battle for your kids. You can't fight every battle for your kids. But you can do your best to set them in a winning position so that they can fight it and win. 
You hear what I'm saying? There's a difference. Sometimes we can, you know, it's like there's been a theme this morning of casting our cares. I think it's important as a mom, it's important, whoever you are, that we learn to take our place. So a few things that, that uh, will increase your influence in this world is one is, is your prayers, okay? You guys believe in prayer? You know, I'll say this, you can't outrun the prayers of your moms and your dads, you know, they'll pray for you. And uh, your prayers follow them. I, I've cited over the years different examples. My, my older brother is a good example. He was, he was quite older when he gave his heart to the Lord. And it, it could have looked from natural observation that he was never going to follow Christ the way mom and dad had intended, you could say. But I, I believe he was 50. And he'll call me this week and correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was 50 years old. When he called me up one Sunday afternoon, and, and I happened to be prepared and seated, and he says, well, he just started talking to me about going to church and about, you know, connection with God. And uh, I, I had to call him out on it a few weeks later because he talked like he was an old pro at being a Christian, like he knew what was going on, and he, he did, but he was just experiencing it. And uh, Dana's got an uncle. He was 89 years old when he went to heaven on a, I believe it was a Friday night, and it was a Sunday prior to that, so five, five days, is that my math right? About five days, he gave his heart to the Lord, 89 years old. And I tell you, if you ever met his mom, which was Dana's grandma, she was nobody to mess with. She's one of them old Pentecostal spitfire, preach at you, you know. She liked me. Anyway. <laughs> I was always grateful for that. But 89 years old, and, and he was the nicest guy. You know, I'd see him at the family gatherings, and, and you know, I, I, I think I even asked him once about heaven, and he just says, he, just, he had this phrase he'd say, he says, I wish I could believe all that. That's what he'd say. He couldn't cross over. He just kept, but then just before, five days before he left the planet. I don't recommend waiting till five days before you leave the planet. Is it too late? No, it's not too late. But I tell you, get on as soon as you can because, you know, it isn't just about going to heaven. I don't know what people do. I don't know what moms did or dads for that matter, how they do it without God, you know? It's, it's, it's interesting. Now, Acts 16.31, a couple verses here, says, They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your household. I love that verse. It's, uh, I believe it's the Philippian jailer. Talk about context, Stephen. I didn't bring in the rest of it. But, uh, but uh, the, the message that he got is, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved and your household. Now, every person has to make a decision for themselves. But I'm telling you, when a mom and dad get saved, it's great influence. It might not look like it's working for a while. Don't give up. Don't give up. Dana's uncle, he got saved years after his mother went to heaven. And she was probably talking to Jesus about him up there. But he made it. James 5.16 is, is classic. 
It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And I love this. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, I, I need to tell myself this sometimes, and I know we all need to hear it. Your prayers are powerful. Have you ever noticed that it seems like everybody else's prayer life is more effective than yours, than ours, than our own? You know what I mean? You hear about men and women of prayer. I, I, I remember as a new Christian, I used to read a lot of um, life stories, biographies of great men and women of God. And I remember telling the story about Wesley's mom, John Wesley's mom, how she had like a bunch of kids, I think 11 or 12, and she would, she would get down when, when uh, she needed to pray, and she'd lift her apron over her head, and that was her prayer closet, because there was so much action. I mean, I, I, I'm a grandpa, and I, I have either one kid or sometimes two kids, sometimes three, and, and I'm looking for a moment. And this woman had like 11 or 12, I forget the exact number, but she'd pull the apron over her head. I get you. I get it. <laughs> Your prayers are effective, though. Your prayers make a difference. Say, my prayers. My prayers. Get, plenty done. get plenty done. There you go. Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayers cut the way. They pave the road. Sometimes I look at it like that as prayer is, goes out ahead of you. You know, you can be behind in prayer, you know, about life. You can be caught up in prayer. What I aim to do is be out ahead in prayer where the road is being paved before me. Okay, does it always work? Well, sometimes I have to buckle down and get caught up, you know, but I'm telling you what, prayers make a difference. James 5, 16, uh, it says this, it says, uh, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I read it twice, how about that? Um, but in any case, prayer, you want to increase your influence in your family, you want to increase your influence in the people around you, Prayer makes a difference. Another thing that I'll, I'm going to mention this morning is, is your words will impact people around you. Your words. What I encourage you as, as moms to do is speak life over your kids. Speak life over them. Don't ever, you know, if you've done this, you know, hey, there's grace, there's forgiveness. I, I try to never say these words, shame on you. Do you ever think about what that sounds like or what that implies? It's like you're taking a bucket of shame and putting it on, on somebody. Don't, ah, no. anyway, let your words, <laughs> let, me, let me get over that a minute here. Anyway, let your words bring life. Your words are like containers that you release on people, on the world, on yourself. Do you hear me? On yourself. Let your words be full of substance from God. Proverbs 10, 11 says that the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. You see, you've got stuff on the inside of you. You've got life on the inside of you. Draw from that place that's on the inside of you, okay, and, and release those things over your family, over your kids, over yourself. 
couple verses, Proverbs 12, 18 says there's one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. Not so good. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. Promotes health. There's healing in your mouth. Proverbs 16, 24 says pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweet to the sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Words can make a difference in your family, in your friends, in yourself. 1 Peter 3.10 says, He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evils and, and his lips from speaking deceit or lies. Isn't that good? Love life, see good days. This is this okay to talk about today? Build your life on the word. You want to increase your, your influence, your, your influence in your family and the people around you? Build your life on the word of God. Luke 2.19, I love this. It says about Mary, it says that she, you know, she was, in this portion of scripture in Luke chapter 2, Mary had seen some amazing things. She had visitations from angels. She'd, she'd seen the power of God being demonstrated in her life. And it just kind of sums it up here in Luke 2.19. It says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What's God been doing in your life? You know, it's good to just walk in an awareness of what God is doing. And sometimes it's not the big things that happen in life, but sometimes it's just little things. But you give God credit for it. You acknowledge him in your path. And, you know, it says that Mary pondered these things. You know, she, she took note of what God was speaking to her and dealing with her about, and she rolled it on the inside of her. I, I, I like to refer to that and, and see that you, you fast forward it to this time when the, the wedding, she's at this wedding, and she's in a place of authority, and there, becomes, there comes a need her way. They've run out of wine. It was a big deal. Mary rose up on the occasion. I think it's because she had stored things up in her, in her storehouse prior to this. And it, it was activated when it needed to be activated. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11, it says, The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. If you're wondering, I'm reading this out of the Message Bible. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. God's word is better than a diamond, better than a diamond set between emeralds. You'll like it better than strawberries in spring. Better than red ripe strawberries. He goes on. I think he's meditating on that strawberry. Somebody give him a strawberry. There's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way or know when we play the fool? Anyway, now good. God's word is like a treasure map. It's like a treasure map. And it leads us to a fantastic connection with him. 
a fantastic connection with him. That's what God's word is for. To lead us to that place of, of connecting with God. You know, we need to develop an appetite for the word of God. You out there today? You know, some things, have you ever noticed your tastes change in, in, in your life as you grow older? I mean, things that I was just appalled at as a, as a youngster, I, I find myself eating now and enjoying. Examples, Brussels sprouts. Man, when I was a kid, I hated it when the parents served Brussels sprouts. I don't know how it was in your home, but you had to kind of sit at the table until you were done. I don't know, people may not do that now, but that's, that's how I grew up. And it was like them Brussels sprouts came out, and I just was like, oh no, it's torture. This shouldn't be allowed, my goodness. Now I like, I like them. I've enjoy, I enjoy them. I've developed an appetite for them. You know, when, when I married Dana all, many years ago, uh, I remember one of the first family, Carlson family functions that, that she came to, you know, it's the time when you're hanging out with your uncles and aunts and cousins, and, 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 and uh, we had this tradition in our family. We, we haven't carried it on as of late because people have passed on and haven't passed Nobody's picked up the, the bar and ran, but uh, we used to make this thing called Swedish sausage. You see, you know, my grandparents, they came over on the boat from Sweden, you know. You talk to them, boy, they had such thick accents when they spoke English, you took an interpreter, you know. They they are great, though. I mean, and Grandma used to make this stuff called Swedish sausage. Has anybody ever had that? I mean, now, we're not just talking Swedish sausage. It's got to be like this. It's got to be homemade Swedish sausage. You know, it's part of it. It's like three words, homemade Swedish sausage, and they go together. You can't separate them. And I know this, that it was almost like a, a rite of passage in my family, you know, with the aunts and uncles and cousins, because I, I know how it was. It's like if somebody didn't like Swedish sausage, it was like, what is wrong with them? And, and the way we served it, we always made fruit salad with whipped cream. And you'd kind of let it sit on your plate. Now, don't get too hungry and don't let your stomachs get, control your life right now. But, you know, you'd let it sit on the plate till the whipped cream kind of melded in with the Swedish sausage and it became one. And it was amazing. It was amazing. Stephen, I tell you, you watch her. I might make some. <laughs> But, but I remember taking Dana, my new bride, to this family gathering where we had the infamous dish. It was being served. I mean, it took days to prepare it. And, and there it was on the table. And we're just like, yeah, this is the best. And Dana politely ate it. And we got home. She goes, I didn't really like that. <laughs> Inwardly, I went, oh, no. Who is this woman that I've married? She doesn't like Swedish sausage, homemade Swedish sausage with the whipped cream dripping on it and everything. I had to swallow it, you know, and just, just uh, Lord, what do I do? Help my wife. But as it was, you know, in that day, we had, you know, a number of times where this would come up, where we'd have these family gatherings and this would be made. In fact, my dad 
you know, after grandma went to heaven, my dad kind of took up the mantle of making this stuff. And you had to have machinery to do it and everything because you ground everything and filled the casings. And, you know, I, I was always the casing popper when I was a kid. You know, you'd have a toothpick and you'd pop them about every six inches so they wouldn't explode. But in any case, because we had it numerous times, about the third time we had it, Dana, we went home that night and she says, boy, you know that stuff, I'm kind of getting to like it. I'm like, wow, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes there's things in life you develop an appetite for. Pray for me. <laughs> Let the word be something that you desire, that you hunger for. I remember one time just feeling kind of kind of dry spiritually, you know? And I remember just praying, Lord, make me hungry. Stir my heart to want you and to want the things that are pleasing to you. And I can't say I was all of a sudden, boom. But I noticed over the weeks that my heart was changing, you know? And, and, and it wasn't that I wasn't even saved. But I'm telling you, we need him. How to be an influence with people. Is this how to win friends and influence people? No, not really, but, but that's a good book too. 2 Corinthians 4.13, uh, and what I'm going to say is live a life of faith. When you live a life of faith, when faith is your lifestyle, faith, let me say this, faith should never be an emergency kit, okay? Faith should never be this parachute that you pull when you've jumped out of the plane and things better happen quicker or I'm going to hit the ground faster than I want. Okay, I mean, wherever you're at, use faith. But ideally, faith is something that's a lifestyle. It's something you live by. It's something that directs you in, in, in this world. And in 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, We have the same spirit of faith. According to what's written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. There's like a, a, a spirit of faith. There's, there's, it, Paul called it a spirit of faith. When you live by that, it affects the people around you. You get around people that are walking by faith, it'll stir your faith. You'll encourage the people around you as they see you live out your, your life trusting and believing God. In 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 6, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy, in verse 5 is where I'm going. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So again, there's no uh, grandchildren in the kingdom. Every person has to come of their own will to God. But what I am seeing from this scripture is that grandma and mom living their life in faith, walking with God day and day, it left an impression 
on Timothy. It put him in a position to receive from God. It put him in a position where, you know, Paul laid hands on him and Paul said, stir up that gift that's within you through the laying on of my hands. Your faith makes a difference. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. I want to just jump to John 19 and just bring this out because it's an interesting note talking about moms today that when Jesus was on the cross, one of the things that he said, he only said a couple things, but one of the things he said, Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by. Do you guys know who the disciple that he loved was? It was John. Okay, who was, you know who was saying that this was the one that Jesus loved? It was John. Talk about a good self-image. Let's follow John in that. So he said to his mother, woman, well, he saw John, he saw his mother standing by. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I love that, that Mary, Jesus' mom, had such a place in his life that he was looking out after her even when he was on the cross. It's interesting, huh? All right, back to the wedding. I'm going to wrap this up. John 2, verse 6, we, we left them there, and they were in need. Mary said, whatever he says to you, do it. So it goes on. It says, now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. He said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. When the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you've kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. I, I just say a couple things. I think it's interesting that Jesus used what they already had. Did you notice that? You think about miracles, sometimes we all kind of almost romanticize miracles. And we think if a miracle ever happened, you know, I mean, lightning would strike across the sky and, you know, there'd be electricity in the air. My, the hair in my arms would stand up. If you have hair on your arms, anyway, hair somewhere stood up. And, 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 and uh, you know, we'd just have our teeth chattering and, and you know, then the miracle would happen. You know, God is so good, and, and most times, you know, when he's, he's doing these miraculous things, he takes what you already have, puts his miracle power in it. You know, and, and I, I like this story, too, because, one, of all the things Jesus did for his first miracle, it's a miracle of provision. And I like that. I think about that often that God's concerned about our welfare. 
He's concerned about our provision. He's concerned when our car is broke down and we need the money to fix it, okay? We can trust him with our lives. So they took, he took what they already have, had, and he worked a miracle with it. I would imagine this as I think about the story too. They feel that, you know, Jesus had to have spoken with some authority. Because they filled, it says, it specifically says they filled them to the brim. They weren't messing around. They filled them puppies right up to the top. And it probably didn't look like anything had happened. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been acting on the word of God and, and it didn't look like anything had happened? Yet they still walked and they did what Jesus said. And they presented it to the, to the, to the, the, he's probably the wedding coordinator. They probably worked for him. Can I put him in these terms? Uh, he was probably the wedding coordinator. They probably worked for this wedding coordinator. And honestly, they were risking losing their jobs. And I don't know how plentiful that job was in the area at the time, but nobody wants to lose their job. They presented that stuff to the, the wedding planner, the, the chief of the, of the whole affair, and it was the best. I'll tell you what, I love that God has the best saved for us. The best is coming up, you know? Wow. I would imagine if I was one of them servants filling it out and I had that thing to the rim, my natural mind would have wanted to just go get a little spoon or something, taste it before I did it. But they plunged right it out, right out and presented it to the, the chief guy. 